Hello, and welcome <laughs> to the Cubicorn Games Podcast. Wow. My name is Dustin Morbido. Joining me today to talk about video games and life and God, God knows what else. <laughs> uh, Lorraine Morbido is here. It's true. I am here. And yeah, we're going to talk about a couple of games we've played over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Probably not too much else. We don't have a ton of updates about our own stuff, really. I'm just like going. Was the soundtrack out? Like out, out. I think it was like getting certified. Down the drain soundtrack was, is out. Everything out down the drain is just out. Yeah. So the update wanna... the soundtrack. They're there. Mm-hmm. You check out wow. any of that stuff. You can go search for down the drain. Uh, we were just at game game designers. I think it was just called the Game Design Expo or something. Design it was Expo. Just a, that's what it a was. A little uh, one day event at the Ann Arbor District Library yeah. in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was a good time. They may do something like that. Similar next year, which if you're in the southeast to central-ish, south-central Michigan area, mm-hmm. maybe I would consider definitely checking that out. We had a good time. Yeah. Going out there, doing some demos, hanging out for a little bit. And for the other people we whose games we've played and or have shown stuff with were also there. Yeah, lots of cool stuff. And a bunch of tabletop mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, I don't so really much. dwell on that sphere necessarily. So, right. So a ton of stuff that I uh, was unfamiliar with on that front, but definitely mm-hmm. a lot of people making cool stuff in that realm. Yeah. A little something for everyone, probably. So, like you said, thank you to those guys, uh, the the folks at the <laughs> Ann Arbor District Library for making mm-hmm. that happen, because we didn't really have to do anything other than no, show up and set up a table and pack up at the end of the day. They provided a space. They provided lunch. They they had that for great. a relatively small scale event at a mm-hmm. like a not particularly enormous venue. They did a great job. Yeah, throwing that all together, it was a really cool looking library. Would have liked to. Kind of poke around yeah, a little bit media, more. Yeah, their media, like, when I was walking through to, like, go get lunch or whatever, mm-hmm. I was just like, man, they have a lot of movies. <laughs> just because we just happened to be by the, like, Blu-ray yeah. DVD section. I was like, man, there's a lot of discs in here. Holy I crap. mean, the Centennial Library, the Dearborn one, actually does have a pretty big selection of, I mean, like, that's true, too. And both that is CDs, a, which we dip into a lot, an, and, an like, enormous library. DVD media type deal. Support your local libraries. Libraries are dope. Libraries are Libraries amazing. straight up rule. Mm-hmm. Definitely support your local library. Hell for yeah. sure. But with all that said, like I said, we don't, there's no real updates on Cucumber or anything necessarily. Just slowly but surely trucking along. I do think I want to push still down the drain. A little bug fix in the next day or, here, day or mm-hmm. two here that fixed an issue with the, the controls on Xbox specifically where the triggers are acting a little weird. Don't know that we'll change anything else about it. But yeah, nothing keep in on, the, keep nothing on. Nothing in the pipeline at least. Keep messing with stuff. Keep making changes and... Hopefully have uh, some news in the next couple of weeks about yeah. something cucumber and beyond. Lorraine, how uh, there's a a sad thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. And again, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here because mm-hmm. our relationship in this case is very like extremely, distant and extremely tangential. distance. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but since we have played a lot of their output pretty recently, like mm-hmm. in the last couple of months, we are sad to report that Eric of Arcane Circus. One of the two developers behind games at Arcane Circus has passed away. Yeah. Uh, we found that out through the grapevine on Twitter mm-hmm. within the last few days. And it's always sad when anyone passes away. And it, uh, again, we don't have any, any like super personal relationship mm-hmm. with I mean, we met both um, him or he, Molly. And, he and Molly at yeah. um, GDC 2015, I believe, because that's when we were showing... And, like, of all the people, we met a lot of people that weekend, obviously, but of all the people that we did meet, I am I know that specific interaction meant a lot to me and has stuck with me over the years on top of just, like, continuing to follow them on social media and stuff, but they were kind of like how we had talked offline, like, 
it's what we're doing. It's a couple making games together and yeah, it's that like just the the spirit of it. The immediate kind of shared yeah. familiarity kinship mm-hmm. of people with similar attitudes trying to accomplish similar things. Yeah. So right, the two of them together, you know, living their lives trying to make small, small games that meant a lot to them yeah. and the people who played them is, you know, it's pretty much exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> what we're attempting to do. And again, it's similar to going to the local game dev events around here of mm-hmm. just going out and seeing other people doing stuff that you're trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, succeeding at it. It's just, it's kinship. It's It, it like, helps motivate you and your own mm-hmm. stuff and keep you wanting to push forward, and which in turn, hopefully, <laughs> sees everyone succeed and succeed to some degree in the projects they're trying to make and mm-hmm. creates more games for everybody to <laughs> eventually uh, enjoy and investigate and play and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, and it just, right, it, it, it it's not super close to home in terms of like some deep knowledge of yeah. either of them or their like, you know, day-to-day lives, oh, no. but in terms of... Just knowing how hard it is to <laughs> to make stuff and how uh, both hard and gratifying it is to make stuff to make yeah <laughs> you love mm-hmm. like <laughs> and like it doesn't have to be like it can just be like it doesn't have to be like a romantic relationship or anything but just like right. a partner a yeah Cause, right a, exactly whether it's whether it's a domestic partnership yeah that or doesn't not, that's not the like, it was like yeah indie games are founded on well. on essentially you know collaboration like, right collaboration and to some degree determination uh, which uh, like sacrifices. is kind of a natural it's kind of like to some degree an unfortunate nature of just how hard it is to get stuff mm-hmm. out there and you know get any amount of anything financial or physical <laughs> traction on it but like to some degree free labor of like mm-hmm. putting in those long nights especially right, especially when you're starting out if you're just trying to make your first thing or two mm-hmm. uh, you either need to figure out how to do every fucking thing under the sun by yourself or you need to like bust your ass at a day job to afford to like mm-hmm. you know contract people just enough to get the stuff you can't do done or you need to buy like a whole lot of assets if it's like specifically stuff yeah. like that that is like your bottleneck if it's like i need visual art i need audio art i need stuff like that but more often than not, it is, you know, people coming together out of just the desire to accomplish anything of like, oh, yeah, I, mm-hmm. you know, I do a little music. I can yeah, and maybe donate a tracker here to yeah. this project because I think it's neat. Or I do a little art. Let me, like, see if I can get together, like, a little bit of pixel art for this thing. Or mm-hmm. people, you know, just doing, like, game jams type things and meeting yeah. up that way and being like, hey, would it be cool to, like, spend a little more time and create something more elaborate? The indie game scene is kind of founded on, for, for better and worse, because, mm-hmm. again, like, like I said, it's just a... <laughs> It's just complicated, but it's kind of, it is foundational to, I think, modern indie games that, again, whether it's people, in some ways, that domestic partnership kind of angle makes it easier mm-hmm. because you're just living your life with them anyway. So it's like, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's just one more thing you're kind of pouring it's, into each yeah, other. It's like, it's essentially like chores or like Brian had said, it, it's our house. Like, yeah. it's what we're working on. It's what we're sinking our free time that we don't need to like just decompress into yeah and it's it's a big emotional investment to try to make any kind of art to try Mm -hmm. to make games especially because again there are software and you know artistic expression Mm -hmm. so there's the (laughs) there's the trying to get whatever the sensation out of the thing like you're trying to eventually have someone feel whether it's you know joy triumph sadness melancholy Anything, anything in between, and then the constant frustration of just trying to get it to work right. Yeah. In the same way that, like, a painting doesn't have function in the way that, like, software does, <laughs> where where the, the experience can be... Do you uh, know how hard and how long it took to get Collision on the Mona Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> 
rendering the light, just the the physics interactions. Yeah, the experience can vary wildly based on uh, unforeseen circumstances that you didn't account for, and every like every one of those guys creating it, the table or as in the last hardware supper. evolves, or as people use different stuff, it's just a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the, it's all that kind of put together. I think the <laughs> just knowing how hard it is and how mm-hmm. gratifying it is to make something with somebody you love, and just kind of feeling the impact of. Mm-hmm. Like, now there's one less person in the world doing that, and the person they w- did it with, I can't imagine what Molly's going through right now, mm-hmm. but I hope <laughs> she comes out of this eventually okay enough to keep creating. <laughs> in whatever way that takes form, if it isn't games, if it is, I know she does a lot of sketching and stuff. I'm always interested to see, like, almost every trip they take for the various shows they go to kind of throughout Europe, just stopping places and just seeing her sketches always is a very big bright spot on a, <laughs> on a the abysmal abyss that is Twitter for me. <laughs> yeah. And again, having not known Eric personally in any way whatsoever, yeah. really, I can say that, you know, as someone who's thought about this on and off and like has thought about it more since his passing over the last, last couple mm-hmm. days, but as someone who's thought about it a little in general of like the, the like, what do you want to accomplish in life? What do you want to mm-hmm. leave behind kind of thing? Because indie games are beautiful, like, kind of two-way mirror in that sense, too, of mm-hmm. on the one hand, you get to do within reason pretty much whatever you want to do. Like, obviously, if you want to make, like, a <laughs> a giant massively multiplayer thing <laughs> with a handful of people, your ability to execute on that is going to be relatively limited. But if you want to kind of make the stuff like we're mm-hmm. making, stuff like they've made in the past, where it is, you know, projects that are very doable with mm-hmm. a, a person or two. Um, and you're just trying to get something out there and, you know, have somebody enjoy it or see it or whatever. Any amount of that you can leave behind, I think, is tremendously cool and valuable. And again, it kind of takes us back to, I guess, the final ultimate note of when we've talked about, like, you kind of have to do it for yourself. You know, I'm just glad that the two of us, you and I, Lorraine, have been able to do that together. Don't cry. It's going to be it's going to be OK. But it made me it made me feel more confident and happy than ever that we're trying to dedicate even more time in the last couple months, last year or so. To doing this than we had in the past is just making it a really high priority in our lives because you never know how much time you're going to get. Sometimes you just get sick. Some people get hit by a car. These things happen. <laughs> so all you all you can do is do your best to put your time into things you care about and spend it with people you love. And I, you know, I I, I have no knowledge of this, but I suspect that Eric probably got a lot of that out of life looking at the output that those guys mm-hmm. put together and. That's it. Just really grateful for anybody who makes stuff and just sad to see, you know, someone we had a very <laughs> tangential connection to throughout the, the sphere of indie games pass way too soon. But if you'd like to check out any of the stuff that Eric and Molly have done over the years in the video game space, we played some of it on a stream a couple months ago. There's an archive of that on YouTube, and you can also go to the Arcane Circus uh, itch page. And then that has most of the stuff that they've made over the years, or the Arcane Circus website, which I believe is linked through there, mm-hmm. which has links to, I think they had also made an iOS, like a phone game at some point that we didn't check out on that stream. Yeah, I think so. And then they've recently had like a board game thing going around. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, you know, that's not digital, so we didn't play it in the context of it, <laughs> a Twitch stream. Zenny, Zenny Beasts. Beasts. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely encourage you to check out any of that stuff. Because again, you know, it's just a... <laughs> Life is extremely fragile and infinitely precious. Yeah, and at the end of the day, all we have is the times we spend together <laughs> and, and how we choose to spend them. And I think making any kind of creative thing with somebody is a really special way to spend some of your very limited time on this mm-hmm. planet. So, Lorraine, I'm thankful to you for doing that with me. <laughs> and we're thankful to people like Eric and Molly for mm-hmm. doing that for each other and putting stuff out there to, and in turn, inspire goobers like us to <laughs> try to do the same thing as much as we can so thank you to those guys mm-hmm. and uh you know absolutely <laughs> rest in peace eric and uh, 
yeah, sad news to, <laughs> to, to to be struck with, to be sure. But it, you know, I've just been thinking about it enough that I felt like it would warrant a small conversation. Yeah, I was going back and forth about whether or not to mention it in for bringing it up. But I think it is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a great situation by any means. No. But, you know, again, you can't control most of the things in this world. No. So, yeah, our thoughts are with them and with... Uh, with Molly as she, mm-hmm. you know, gets through an incredibly difficult time. And with all that said, oh, let's try to reset <laughs> <laughs> and talk about uh, video games we played, Yay. other stuff over the last couple of weeks. Um, starting with something that is uh, definitely not sad, thank- thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> we get to shift gears a little bit. Hearts of the Dungeon List, which is a it's kind of an RPG visual novel hybrid type thing that, uh-huh. we, that is another Town local sim. game. Dating yeah. sim. It's another local game that we had played uh-huh. a, a tiny, tiny bit at uh, Ubicon uh-huh. a couple months back and then played a little bit on stream recently. It's a f- fun, cool game that I still have some, like, I think there's parts of it, like the balance of it that I don't love so much. Mm. Like some of the choices about how much, like, RNG there is and kind of where it well, exists Well, you don't like game. five to uh, 95%. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. But still the thing that I think is the coolest about it by far that I think totally works in it and that I'm, like, so... I'm so glad that it committed so hard to the bit because it is mm-hmm. it makes it stand out of the crowd in terms of just like how the presentational error of the whole thing is. But I still really like the user interface. Yeah. It's so. very unique in a good way. Yeah. So that game, basically all the inputs for the most part in the entire game are uh, mapped to four button presses. And the default is kind of like to map them into the four quadrant buttons of the face mm-hmm. buttons of... A given Most controller. controllers. Yeah. Um, and they're specifically kind of tied to the Xbox controllers of like or the... the Xbox color scheme. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. a better way to put um, that. So like the, if you are familiar with the 360 controller or the the non like special edition, like modern Xbox mm-hmm. One and Xbox series controllers. Yeah, or the green, Yeah, the individual face buttons blue. as I go reach for a controller in front of me <laughs> are like, you know, the A button is green, the X button is blue, the Y button is yellow, and the B button is red. So the game has basically pretty much all its inputs laid out in that shape. Yeah, in that diamond. And yeah, in that diamond and, and color-coded to match those colors. And and I don't know why I didn't mention this on stream, but the other game that is the most <laughs> reminiscent of that kind of thing, I think, for me at least, the one that I can remember off the uh-huh. top of my head, is the Mario RPG combat system is like that. Yeah. It doesn't have the colors necessarily because the they're... SNES colors aren't as color-coded. Because they're like, I remember they're, it being they're two col- colors well, on the SNES buttons, right? Well, it's mapped to the Famicom. The Super Famicom did have the... Four different colors. Well, the, I know for a fact that the American version does not have like those but, rainbow colors. No, but I'm pretty sure the the inputs are still color coded that way to okay. match the controller. But yeah, that that game did a very similar thing where you would push like one of those four buttons for like items or to attack or to do magic or whatever. And this game does that too with both combat and like even just menu navigation. Well, I guess like they that. are only color. They're colored the purple. I could have sworn that they. Yeah, were. Yeah, right. I don't know if the Japanese version is different. I suspect not, but. Because I think technically the SNES controller has, like, the American ones are, like, there's, like, purple and, like, it's, like, a lighter purple or why, a gray or something. Why do I remember them being colored then? Am I insane? <laughs> Is this, like, a burnt You're thinking of, like, Mario, Super Mario World with, like, where those Famicom colors persisted in, like, the Star World or whatever? <laughs> like, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about, <laughs> but I could have sworn it was in there, too. Why do I have that memory? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. But in any case. Because there's one where it is colored. I don't know if those are the right colors. I don't know what a Famicom control. I haven't looked at a Super Famicom controller in a hot minute. This is enhanced, so that might be like a mod. Yeah, or, I mean, or it could be the. Ja- I've never seen the Japanese version of that game. I don't. I mean, think. you literally have it on your shelf. You have a Super Famicom. Never booted it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In any case, 
pretty much everything you can do in that whole game is mapped to those four cardinal buttons. And I think it's really neat how that works out because yeah. it lets you tab back and forth between the various menus in the game like you can go to like start a dungeon run you can mm-hmm. go over to town oh even all the shop purchase stuff like if you go to the places where you can buy like reusable items and stuff like that once you open that menu the things you can buy will kind of be laid out in that same manner it's a really neat idea that i think works pretty well in the context of the game yeah as it exists and especially because the combat is pretty snappy once you kind of like get the hang of which buttons do what because you're clearly like the the combat is basically you do a run of a certain number of, number of any enemy encounters at any given time trying to clear floors of a dungeon, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But that that amounts to like, you know, it'll present you with a random battle and you knock that out and then there's no like overworld or anything. It just kind of immediately throws you into the next fight. And after you beat a sequence of encounters, you've considered to be cleared one level and then you do that for a certain amount of time until you eventually beat the game. I will say that the creatures in that game were great. Yeah, I really like character designs. The and, little enemies. And in most cases, if not all, you know, we didn't see remotely, mm-hmm. you know, there's a hundred something different things to fight in that game. And I think we saw maybe 10 of them at most. <laughs> they had like nice little fun progression in their sprite work of like mm-hmm. taking various amounts of damage over the course of the fight. They'd get a little worn down and their <laughs> their like presentation would change a little bit as their health got lower, which was kind of neat. It was funny. They were fun to look at. Had some yeah. good names too by my recollection, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. And again, the, the fact that the combat could be so fast paced when you kind of got the flow of like which buttons do what, you mm-hmm. could really kind of just smash through most of the encounters up to a point was pretty neat like it, you could really just kind of churn out fight after fight after fight after yeah. a while so all that stuff was pretty cool and we again we didn't get super deep into the game as a whole or particularly the the kind of dating sim side of it yeah because i've used that term incorrectly i think in many cases probably <laughs> when trying to talk about like interactive narrative stuff where it is a lot of text boxes telling you a story but in this case i think it is correct actually like actually this time i'm i mean I'm you had it like you could build relationships with these people there are ways to to do that with them well and their relationship is still the Clearly, like, they're kind of all the the ladies are somewhere mm-hmm. between, like, actively affectionate to, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, nervously affectionate, if that makes sense, yeah. from, the, from my, what I can remember of what we encountered of those characters, mm-hmm. of the amount we played. Which, like, you know, that's a, that's a fun little, you know, just something to add. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a nice to give the game a little more of an angle than just the RPG combat stuff. Like, to yeah. just give it a change of pace. Like, if you're not going to have, like, an overworld that you can walk around in or, like, that kind of thing to, to kind of, like, temper the, the pace of just cranking out random battles back to back forever like it's nice to have something to go back and do it different that changes up the gameplay flow a smidge i mean persona does that with like obviously that's a much bigger budget project than <laughs> a thing we're talking about now but that game is mm-hmm. at its core like random rpg combat plus dating sim plus fistful of mini games or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck <laughs> Uh, and so they're like having this game accomplish so many of those similar things, you know, with obviously much fewer resources mm-hmm. <laughs> is is cool. Yeah. I think it's nice that it has a little more going on than just the moment to moment random battles. And then I will say some of the system stuff, like I said, I, I'm really torn on like your character build. Like you kind of have like a set of, you know, six, six or so stats, I think, because it was, it was like HP, defense, MP, attack, attack, magic and fucking dexterity or something. Yeah. And you could respect that at any time. So as you like mm-hmm. did battles, you'd gain experience and level up. As you leveled up, you'd get more points to dump into any of those stats. And you could just full on re-roll that whenever you wanted. Yeah. So that was that stuff was fun to mm-hmm. uh 
to be able to mess around with. And in fact, yeah. we did do a little messing around to try to see kind of what the bounds of that system were, were what it would af- could affect a little bit, which was kind of cool. And at least learned that like I was maybe under utilizing magic a bit early mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I did a little mm-hmm. bit better on later. At the same time, some of the ability stuff, again, from the amount we played, didn't seem to like be super well balanced to how it could play out in practice in the fights. And, li- and like you said, my biggest thing was the the level of RNG and the items, <laughs> 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 which was like that. And, and that, it obviously is a personal decision how you want to balance yeah. like risk or of you how effective any given item ability or whatever is going to be at any given time but the first healing item that it gives you and we never unlocked the last one in the amount of time we no. played but we unlocked two different healing items that were like basically single use per run and that stuff is balanced like way differently than i ever would personally because <laughs> <laughs> again you can kind of like it's a personal choice of how much rng you want to put into your game or like how much you want to you want to try to it's a, there's a lot of Plates to spin there between mm-hmm. like the risk reward and within an in combat, the amount of resources it takes to acquire a thing, which in this case is like you have to spend money on it. That is like a separate, it's one of the other things you get from combat. You basically yeah. get experience that eventually levels your character up, that gives you more stats to play with. Mm-hmm. And then you get currency, which you can spend on upgrades and you can spend on entries in the bestiary. And there's a couple of other things I think you can spend it on too. But anyway, we'll get back to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the, so the first tier of that healing item, you know, it's it's the cheapest of the three. And again, we didn't ever unlock the last one during that playthrough, at least. And it will heal your character upon use between 5 and 95% of their total health. <laughs> and I don't like that because the bounds are so wide in uh-huh. terms of it being like basically a like perfect net. You can, that single item can basically roll you the equivalent of like a perfect natural 20, like gives all your health back or like it functionally does nothing or anything in between. But the the, uh, the thing I like about it, even less is the way that it segues into the next one because the next one i think it was like it was 20 to 40 or 20 to 60 percent something like that it was a much narrower band Mm -hmm. that like that part of it was more reasonable but at the same time the fact that the next most expensive tier went up also could like very easily be worse than the first tier (laughs) one like i kind of hate both of those Mm -hmm. economic balancing decisions Like, if I were to change either of those up, I would just make them more, much more vanilla and linear personally. Like, I would just be like, all right, the first one gives, you know, 20 to 40%, and the second one gives, like, 40 to 60, mm-hmm. like, just a, <laughs> yeah, a just... constant curve up that, like, you know, if you want to put some RNG in there, it has, like, some level of variance, but not enough to where it's, like, a completely unpredictable, <laughs> <laughs> like, from, like, perfect good to perfect bad, like, outcome from using a, using a thing. Like, you, it, you can very easily be like, all right, I know the minimum of this is going to be somewhat useful, and the maximum of this will be, like, more useful, not, like, it might be worthless, or it might just, like, solve the rest of this entire run yeah. just with one fell swoop. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that level of like totally random nonsense necessarily. And I think thing, it's funny. Anything like that personally. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but like <laughs> I wouldn't describe this as a game where like the, because you can do that too. Like there's, there are games that, you know, have humor and other yeah. like things conveyed through their gameplay. Like, you know, Undertale is very much that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily what they were going for. Yeah. They were just like, oh, well, we want to make the, the the outcome a little uncertain. And that it's more uncertain of an outcome than I would have liked. And similarly, well, similarly in terms of like, I just don't think the balance felt off. The I never did figure out what the deal was with the healing magic. I don't know if it's just bad mm-hmm. <laughs> or if there was some part of the game mechanically that I wasn't quite gra- wrapping my head around. Basically, the actions you could do in combat are you could do regular attacks, which is just like you do a little damage and it doesn't cost anything mm-hmm. to one target. A physical attack. Yeah, basically. physical attack uh, you can do magic attacks which either do damage to multiple targets or can inflict status effects on mm-hmm. targets like poison or maybe both you could do sp- sp attacks which are basically you get 
special points, which are separate from MP for whenever you KO a thing in combat, mm-hmm. you get a point, and then you can spend those points to do attacks that either a bigger attack that does da- more damage to one target or potentially attack that does damage to all of them. Or you can spend MP on healing. And I, after experiencing with like taking points out and putting points into, yeah. the, into the magic stat, I did find that the magic abilities could be particularly useful, especially because mm-hmm. some enemies resist magic, some enemies don't. Yeah. So like sometimes you want to just be able to do some regular attacks to them, and sometimes you want to have the ability to do some amount of magic damage to guys mm-hmm. that are more resistant to that. But I never, other than after like the first literally maybe like one or two random battles, I never found a scenario where using the magic to heal was even remotely viable because it would heal you between like no matter how many MP points I put in like or whatever, it would heal you between like two or three points at a time. And you know your character starts with I think ten to twelve health. Something like that. But then that run, we were in the like low twenties, depending yeah. on how many points I wanted to put in. If I had put it all into health, I could have gotten like twenty five or thirty at the expense of every other thing mm-hmm. we could have possibly put stats into. But having that amount of healing in encounters where you know you're fighting two or three enemies at a time, and uh-huh. each one is doing at least one point of damage uh-huh. per action, it was just like objectively useless <laughs> uh, again unless i was missing something unless there was some part of it that like i didn't understand like that would have made the magic ma- made the healing better but it didn't appear that like dumping a bunch of points into magic no affected it the healing abilities in the same way that it affected the combat abilities and it didn't describe that on the screen no. either, like telling you kind of what the points did so i'm not 100 percent sure there there might be something else going on that we didn't quite Mm-hmm. get to over the course of that like, gameplay session or it could have just been like a slight oversight of just like again these things kind of fall through the cracks since I know we've had stuff <laughs> in things we've worked on that shipped like a little less well baked than we would have liked sure. for sure but it seemed to, it stood out in like a like a really obvious way to me uh, again without putting a couple more hours into that game as of yet to see yeah. if that system expands out any further but it was like oh this is fucking terrible I never want to do this especially because there's a much better healing option that costs different resources granted yeah. Of when you're in a run, you could choose a, a heal that was, I think that was a heal that was between like, you know, 50 and 75%. It would heal you a decent chunk of your health at the expense of all your special points. Yeah. Which normally would otherwise carry over from encounter to encounter in a given mm-hmm. run. So like if you KO'd two enemies and didn't use any special attacks, you know, you'd have two SP coming into the next fight. Yeah, or was, uh, you, you could, could spend it to heal up. Those options were on like a between fight, like kind of breakdown screen that would let you leave yeah. the encounters like and take your stuff because losing... Like, you lost everything. Yeah, which seemed much more clever and reasonable and useful than, I, like I said, the MP heal. Which, like, for a game that is so dependent on, like, maintaining a run, if you wanted to put, like, the focus on that, sacrifice an action to take a heal or something mid-battle as opposed to just afterwards, unless they really want you to focus on the after screen as opposed to in battle. But if you can't survive the fight, you're not going to make it to that screen, so... Sure. And the, and the balance of MP, like, I think it's actually... Like, I think, in the, like you said, in the course of doing a run, I think spending SP in, ter- in exchange for healing is cool. Like, it makes enough sense because it, it, mm-hmm. it gives you, you know, a health boost coming to the next fight at the expense of, like, a big damage boost coming to the next fight. And similarly, having you spend some of your MP pool on both healing and magic, considering that you, as I kind of discovered mid to late through that like you probably should be spending at least some of your mp doing magic attacks because some enemies are going to be pretty resistant to regular yeah. damage like that push pull i think is enough to where like again it just, it just seemed out of band to me the the amount of healing that you could get from doing the mp like it, it seemed like you were always neutral or behind like almost yeah. all the time by ever like con- thinking about using it at all that's a thing that like it would have been in limited situations more useful but ultimately just as frustrating i think if they had applied the same principles of that like initial healing item to that mm. If it was if that was like a five ninety five <laughs> like die roll where like then at least sometimes it would be useful. Yeah, sometimes you could get a But at like the end of the day it would 50. still be like, you know, every time that it's not, you're like, oh well that felt 
terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just get hit for three more points from all the terrifying, adorable little enemies. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, the bestiary, which I did learn later that there was a, <laughs> was a wrinkle to this. So this is something that the developer told me after the fact. that. Mm-hmm. So apparently you can see the enemy's stats in combat. I think once if you hold one of the triggers or something. In the bestiary, I think. Yeah, once you unlocked a certain tier in the bestiary, which was my big complaint about it that we didn't discover during our gameplay session. Yeah. Was that like, well, because you're not using the bumpers or triggers or whatever. Like, everything well, and is they, so And they specifically coded. called out that it doesn't tell you yeah. you can do that in game, which, like, you know... Fair enough. But for my money, again, if I were still to change one thing about it, so the part of the system that I really like is that, you know, you do fights, you get experience, and you get money. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you can spend money is uh, you can Fill spend money the in the bestiary to up, to gain information about the enemies you fight. So you start off with just encountering an enemy, gives them an entry in the bestiary, and mm-hmm. tells you nothing about them, basically. Like, it just shows you their sprite. And then you can have, like, three tiers of purchases that tell you, like, you know, the first one tells you their health and maybe yeah, all their base stats. I think, I think it's stats and then yeah. maybe, like, weaknesses and I don't know. We never got a third one because you had to do a certain number of fights to unlock the option to purchase mm-hmm. it. But yeah, but essentially like I, studying it seemed them. like it would tell you every combat relevant thing about them mm-hmm. once you bought all three tiers of the bestiary upgrade for that enemy, which I thought was neat. Yeah. I think that's a cool idea. But then in practice, when just encountering them sight unseen, like without any other knowledge in a battle, none of that information is surfaced to you in like in the battle by default. You don't have a scan option, basically. Yeah, right. You don't have a scan option or it doesn't just like while you hover over them, like tell you what their current okay. health is or max health is or whatever. And like I said, apparently you, you can surface that information in real time by pushing, I believe it was one of the triggers. Yeah. It was a trigger uh, or a bumper. I don't remember over, which one. Hovering over one of the enemies. Yeah, I think I think that's a really cool idea. That it's a shame it doesn't do that by default. Mm-hmm. Again, at least with the health, because yeah. like that's a thing that like you know a ton of RPGs do that. Mm-hmm. There will be a way to opt in to seeing an enemy's like total HP. Yeah. If it's not part of the core mechanics to begin with, and the fact that this game does have that, but it doesn't completely surface it to you up front once you've kind of unlocked that ability, I think yeah. is a, a slight misstep. But overall, I, I really like the idea of unlocking mm-hmm. information about enemies by buying those upgrades. Yeah. From participating in combat, I think that's really neat. And I think, yeah, even just putting up whatever their current health value is over them when you hover over them before selecting an action, you know, I think that would be enough to, like, just do that by default. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, maybe, like maybe even after you've bought that. the first entry or whatever, like, I don't mind if it, I don't mind it being hidden from you at first, but once you've put in something, it would be nice to immediately see that or, because, like, you kind of don't know anything about the bestiary, the first girl you meet maybe mentions that it's there but nothing else beyond that the other thing that i had wanted to mention was the way that you get upgrades for like the town which is by completing the dungeons you can get like these little check marks which are spent as currencies i think you get one by default the first time you complete a dungeon i think the other one is from beating it without any rests Mm -hmm. which is like in in those in-between fights you can rest to regain yeah right there there are certain checkpoints of like oh you've done four of the eight encounters in this dungeon run. Now well, no, no, those are one. checkpoints. I'm talking about the check marks. Yeah. Those are different. Because mm-hmm. you went to that screen after every fight, but you had to get to like the fourth one or the seventh one, depending. Like Those were the, the one I remember from the last the last dungeon we reached specifically. But at any, of those, any point in time, you can opt out. And if you had reached one of those checkpoints at some point prior or during that run, you could start the dungeon there. But I think it was from the beginning, if you went without a rest, which was just like a free health between fights, then you also got a second check mark, which you could then spend on upgrading to get more purchases from the shop to unlock the like fishing mini game. Or there was a, a third option that I don't think we ever saw, uh, which was neat. I like that as an incentive to both go back 
two dungeons you've already done if you hadn't like maybe you struggled there up front at first and then you come back like oh I really want to get this upgrade let me see what I have what I haven't redone to go and do that because I think one of the upgrades was also like expanding the dungeons you can get so as you progress like as you beat them you're able to unlock more because there seemed to be a lot it looked like there was a lot of options on that list much like the bestiary in, in, mm-hmm. in its expansiveness. Yeah, and again, for all the, the criticisms we have of certain parts of the game, I do think it's a cool, fun little Yeah, it's got a really put cool together style. Thing. Yeah, I would I definitely like recommend at least giving the trailer a look. If it looks like you might enjoy it, I would definitely suggest giving it a shot. If you like some kind of unique and very, I would say, design-focused even, mm-hmm. uh, kind of turn-based RPG stuff, check it out. Yeah, and I think this was like a one-person kind of project sort of mm. thing. So of the things that I've mentioned that I have like a few issues with, I, I would be curious how much testing that they had with like other people involved because that's the kind of stuff that I feel like you can... That's just like the fine-tuning like some, right, stuff. Right, if you get the opportunity, which is hard to do, mm-hmm. uh, but if you get the opportunity to have a decent number of people like fiddle with your thing and render verdicts yeah. on how it's balanced, you can iterate on that stuff a little bit. Again, no no prior knowledge to how this game was made, but mm-hmm. like... Shot yeah. in the dark. If I had to place a guess, I would think that some of that stuff might have changed if the game had had a little more time with other people's hands on it prior to release. I mean, yeah, a lot. We got a lot from both the shows we've done and from explicit mm-hmm. testing. Still, still not as much as I would have liked, honestly. Yeah. Like so well, that some of that's like, beyond out of our hands, but yeah, but that's a uh, you know right. It is what it is. Like mm-hmm. they're. It, in the same way that it is hard to recruit people to make <laughs> help it's, you make yeah. your game, it's also hard to to get people to to try it out. Yeah, uh, for any significant length of time, which is part of the reason we we do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always a struggle. But again, I think that's kind of all. Lorraine, on this, you have anything else? I think that's kind of no. it for Hearts of the Dungeon list. But it's out on Steam now. I believe it's like twelve or thirteen bucks. I think regular price, but you can search for it, check it out. I think that also the very last update, like content update for that game, went yeah, out as of recent. when we were playing it. <laughs> Like as of either the same day we streamed or within a few days. Like that, some, that yeah, came I remember out. it was something like that. If you're interested in like RPG like things, maybe give that a look. Like Cute I said, game. there's a fishing mini game in it. That's which, true. Which was fun. And then the other thing we played, uh-huh. <laughs> which is one of our uh, one of our first requests. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say it again at the end of the show. But if if you're out there and you have a game that you'd like us to try, email us at podcast at cubecorngames.com. Uh, but yeah, we got contacted to check out. Like a first-person horror-y type thing mm. called Level Zero, a Backrooms prototype demo. And this was, I think, like, I don't know if the intent is even to take that game and make it like a kind of like final yeah, it wasn't really completed clear. project or use, use it as like a baseline to build other things with a similar vibe or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a first-person uh, like horror experience, basically, yeah. where you kind of wander around in, from environment to environment trying to essentially... Make your way through a space while being terrorized terrorized by creepy noises and spooky enemies. And there is an element to that anxiety. game that we didn't really interact with. It does have like I think that's one of the things they were testing out in this like prototype thing period is that like it has Twitch integration where you can It also has multiplayer, technically. Yeah. So we didn't do any either of those no. things, but it has multiplayer and it has Twitch integration. Mm-hmm. You can play it with more more than one person and theoretically Hook your uh, you Twitch can chat ha- Right, you it. can hook, hook Twitch up to it so Which that people cool. in the chat could, like, s- you know, say stuff that would prompt events uh, within the game. God, I don't um, think I ever want to play any kind of horror game <laughs> with that because, I mean, <laughs> if you want to watch me have, like, a mild panic attack, just watch that stream because... Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a real, like... Uh, I mean, it was more of an anxiety attack, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say the Twitch thing specifically is a real cool idea that is also a very mixed bag of a feature. Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, like... If it you're lives making a and thing, dies by that. If you're making a thing like this, I suspect a big part of a product like this is to kind of try to re- recapture that Five Nights at Freddy's 
Like you want Slender Man type people deal. with their headphones on yeah. and their lights off to scream at it <laughs> yeah. on the internet. And so like a- actively having Twitch chat be a part of that certainly mm-hmm. encourages that kind of interaction with the product. Which makes sense, I think, on its face. Yeah. But by that same note, like if you if you were to just play it on your own time, just to try to get those boogie vibes on your own, you know, most people are going to be like like us, where you have a very limited Twitch <laughs> Twitch mm-hmm. audience, or you're just going to be playing it by yourself and you won't benefit from them that at all. So I, that's just an interesting like engineering yeah <laughs> like thing to me of like oh well that's a lot of it's a pretty reasonable amount of resources I'd suspect to get something like that up and yeah. running consistently for like a relatively small amount of the player base, mm-hmm. but at the same time. You know, if it works out and your game gets popular enough. Yeah. It like, pays for itself, essentially. Right. So just just a curious, you know, mm-hmm. just me kind of wondering on the <laughs> in terms of, like, distributing resources in game dev and, like, which players, you know, benefit from those hours put into making the mm-hmm. thing. But, so we checked that out. And, again, as advertised, it was, like, a creepy vibey, mm-hmm. you know, wander around some hallways, get attacked by... Things. Things. <laughs> try to get... Find some keys. And as I, I kind of uh, alluded to in the stream itself, you know, this is very much not a thing that either of us would no. play pretty often. It's not a thing I mean, I'm I, sure my reaction alone should be a, f- <laughs> a good enough fact that I don't play shit like this. Lorraine doesn't play horror games, period. No. And I, I don't play stuff that's as, like... I'm trying to think loose. of the best way to put it. Maybe loose is the right word. Because I, I would say you're more of an action horror player, like a Resident Evil or a Dead Space. When I, uh, again, the, a thing that I've said many times before is that I, the more structured a game is for the most part, the more I like it mm-hmm. personally. Like I'm, I'm totally comfortable copying to that and that like the, the more loosely defined a thing is like when in any game for the most part presents itself to me and, and the goals are like, do whatever, make your own fun. Like just kind of go and experience it. Like mm-hmm. I, th- that turns me off personally. Like I want to mm-hmm. be told like you need to do this and this is mostly how you do it. And then like, <laughs> you know, just go accomplish the task. Don't like try to stumble upon it. And so a game like this is kind of built because a lot of it is just building tension from so much tension exploring moment to moment <laughs> to some degree it kind of has to be loose like that mm-hmm. and that's a thing where again like that's one of the reasons I think I don't really play stuff like this very much yeah. on my own time like you described as just so out of the realm of what my usual motivations mm-hmm. are when trying to play video you don't games. like unstructured play do you <laughs> I guess not like, I guess not particularly I just give wanna... you a Lego instruction I want set. some guidance <laughs> Follow these directions. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we we did like free, the same way that any kids do, we did like freely build stuff with Legos from time to time, but I mm-hmm. probably more often than not did like build the sets as they were mm-hmm. described. I suppose that's probably <laughs> true. But yeah, so this this was just a very different experience for the both of us. Not a bad one necessarily. I mean, I'd, I would call it bad because I had a bad time and got a stomach <laughs> ache from it. You had a bad time because of the... They I mean, tried it to, was working as intended. Yeah, right. It was I working as intended. Like, it. like you, you were... <laughs> You were put off by it because it made you creeped out. <laughs> that first time where that, like, I don't even know, like, I, we never saw an interaction like that again, where that one creature was just walking down, like, past the hallway. Like, I don't know if that was intentional or not, because we never <laughs> saw them outside of, like, that one little space. Mm-hmm. And that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Uh, but then when we kept running into that one and you could literally just like power walk away from it, it became a little less bad. Mm-hmm. But I did like that stomachache lingered for like hours <laughs> afterwards. I mm-hmm. did not have a good time. Yeah. But uh, again, the core gameplay loop of this is basically to just like walk around, look at stuff. Your main uh, objective is four keys. 
find like, four keys and eventually right escape you know this physical space that you're in or like you're, the your mind own, prison right, the, the mind prison that you've become trapped in when you like passed out in your house because that was kind of like it it opened in like a, oh this is just a home like you're kind of just in a in like a and then you're a in residential like building a hell hallway and or then, whatever yeah, kind of just transported you an to open right, space like office a, gone wrong yeah, like an existential <laughs> series of like never-ending like looping hallways <laughs> i mean they really i'm pretty sure some of those looped like oh no it definitely did and yeah to get goodness. out of there you had to find four keys that involved among other things touching a unicorn clicking on multiple creepy unicorns times. and hearing like creepy children laugh that oh, like hey running from I'm weird skeleton i really like, hated that monsters and uh Ugh. clicking on doors that teleported you back to the start of the series of cor- the corridor of doors corridors and those were some of my picking like, up cup Mm-hmm. Look in like, <laughs> like I think my my frustrations with some of that stuff in particular was the the trial and error of it all. Mm. Which again, like I think part of that is kind of part and parcel with the genre and just yeah. a, like a thing that I normally wouldn't play too much. And then part of it could be iterated out maybe to be just a little less monotonous. Mm. I think I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, also to be fair, there was a like logic to it. You weren't supposed to touch those doors. The right doors were the ones with like the the bar missing from it or whatever and I had tried to guide you down the second hallway but you never listened to me and kept opening doors or touching the thing and going to hell <laughs> yeah and you're right I did I did incorrectly do the like turn around at the right point to like get find a new mm-hmm. path backwards or whatever thing yeah you're not wrong about that for sure I'm the only reason we finished it and I was dying the entire time <laughs> almost certainly uh did not enjoy <laughs> yeah and again that's a thing where like because the thing about projects like this is that like again i think they kind of avoid uh for better or worse i'm, I'm not even 100 percent sure how i feel about it but they kind of avoid many traditional game conventions of like show a mechanic in practice and then repeat it so that you learn the thing yeah because that that's a thing that could have very easily been taught to you of like Without, without having to do as much trial and error of, like, none of these doors work right, like you said, except for the, the ones that is like has two handles or whatever. Because mm-hmm. uh, up to that point, you haven't really opened any There were doors no doors. All. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, I'm guessing the thing is just find the right one of these doors just out mm-hmm. of which one, out of out of a series of identical looking doors. And then... Sometimes they were knocking that's kinda, sounds. That was kind of layered in a different thing of, like, oh, you need to navigate this hallway the right tricky way first and then you'll eventually find a door that is mm-hmm. different and more interactable where i think you could have like sh- like showed the player that in a different context earlier mm-hmm. of like oh like even with just like two different doors in the same room of like a left one and a right one and one of them is the regular door and one of them is like the two handle door that you can actually use like i i just think that that stuff could be implemented a little mm-hmm. more cleanly to actually like teach you something and then like later on if you are observant enough to understand Mm-hmm. The mechanic that was presented to you previously, you'd spend a little less time futzing with stuff. And other than that, I don't know that I have any like super strong thoughts other than, again, just being kind of a little out of my depth in terms of not playing much stuff like yeah. this. And, and also without the knowledge of like where Intent, this project intends yeah. to go, because there are like some production level things like we had described that like coming back to life from like the death sequence is pretty uneventful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could very easily just be updated to be a little spookier and a little moodier and a little more atmospheric. Um, but again, this is was we played a demo of a prototype. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know I by mean, by its, its nature pretty early and like you know somewhat incomplete. Maybe the only thing it's testing is like multiplayer Twitch stuff. Maybe they're Correct. trying to get that yeah. vibe. Maybe this is just something they like threw together and be like, oh, like let's try to see if we can get these hooks working and how people react to it, how easy it is to understand. Like maybe like it could just be that. Mm-hmm. We don't know. 
yeah, I'd be curious to know all that stuff. Or like if the, if they eventually intend to put more of yeah. a like narrative. Because like, I could see it literally going either way. I could see this being developed into a further project or literally just a one-off thing to be a proof of concept of like, okay, we know how we want to use this. Let's implement it in something real right. that we're going to put actual man hours into mm-hmm. to like really complete a thing. Yeah. Because the other thing with horror games like this and... Because well, I, I don't actually I don't know how again I just haven't played very many of them. Same. Like with other like wa- more walking simulator type things, uh-huh. like usually there's like a pretty robust narrative that you eventually can learn a lot of context mm-hmm. about if you poke around. Like if you lift up enough objects and look under enough desks or whatever, mm-hmm. like eventually you can kind of piece together like. Because there were definitely like hints of that. There was like that welcome sign. There was the horror playground with just children in it. And See, I, would, like, I would call all that stuff like more vibes than anything. Well, no, like normally there's like there's stuff like that, but then there's like there's hooks into that. There's like the like diary entries or other like more organic like storytelling. Like why were this? There's so much office supplies, just like desks, chairs, all that other like detritus basically just around the space. I feel like a lot of those are generally like through points to like. Mm-hmm. the house to where you end up well that's the thing where, like i said i think you could very easily if you wanted to turn this into a more full robust product that you could do you could iterate on all those things and both try to give it a little more substance and a little more going on in general of like because mm-hmm. we started this demo and like you said you spawn in like our kind of regular ass house that's pretty sparse and then eventually you just walk through a doorway or at least that's how we did it. We yeah. walked through a doorway and got teleported into Hell World. Um, and you could do something that's much more like you wander around the house a little bit more, and then maybe you go from room to room and kind of ping pong back and forth between something that is much more like this is clearly Surreal a representation of like the real world, yeah. and then the Hell World is clearly a much more unreal mm-hmm. like nightmare reality. It was built in Unreal. <laughs> so maybe you walk into like a nursery in the real world, and then you flip to Hell World, and that then that part of the hell world encounter leaves you to like the creepy playground so like there's a maybe this person lost a child or something and then after you do that experience like you're back in the real world again and maybe you wander to a different part of the house and you go into like a home office and then that teleports you back to the hell world where it's more more like all those doors yeah like right like a hallway of forever doors or like you know a nightmare world of infinite cubicles or something and it's like Mm -hmm. oh maybe this character is like the nature of their job job, right is like just kind of destroying their mind slowly but Mm -hmm. surely like i think there's a lot of stuff you could do like that yeah to like in in a future version of this to just kind of make it a Take it a little mm-hmm. to the next level. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else in particular. Control-wise, it seemed to work fine. I, I will say I'm almost certain that I, I think I'd added some minor complaints about... Sprint laten- toggle. little latency that I think oh, were just right. the, the monitor, like the, mm. the TV we were playing on. I don't think that was part of the game necessarily. And then the sprint thing specifically, it I didn't love that it did appear to like time out your sprint. Like if you sprinted long enough, your character seemed mm-hmm. to get like winded and then you couldn't sprint for a while. That wasn't my favorite thing. But also didn't seem to be like used for anything mm-hmm. aside from just you had a slow walking speed and sometimes you can sprint. And then you use that to get like I, I was able to dodge some of the like you mm. know, spooky shambling enemies by sprinting. I mean, it was hard to moment, tell honestly suppose, when but... you were sprinting. Like the sprint speed itself wasn't, it wasn't that right. much. It faster. wasn't such a dramatic increase that that yeah. that's why I think both that you could just let people use it as much as you want. Yeah. And then like kind of let them turn it off. And set their for their for their own purposes if they wanted to be more deliberate about like looking around a room, mm-hmm. and then also or if like there was said, like more of a stealth mechanic. I, I did have like a couple of minor issues with reactivating it mm. uh, because it would only right kind of, yeah like it would only let you if you pushed like a uh, direction key to move like if you push W to go forward or whatever and then push the sprint key it, you would start sprinting whereas if you mm-hmm. did the opposite 
like you it wouldn't. wouldn't like if you were already holding sprint and then walked forward it didn't do a thing so i would like it would be cool mm-hmm. to have that iterated just till it worked a little more consistently uh-huh. and and again i i prefer toggle sprint if at all possible or like you know you push it and it'll stay on either forever until you push the key again or at least until you like stop, stop moving, moving yeah. yeah for sure like that would be a nice quality life thing mm-hmm. for me personally i would appreciate that but other than that i don't know if i have any other specific thoughts although again again it's like it seems like a some fine groundwork for something to be iterated on which again mm-hmm. was the, literally an incomplete product we were playing that that may that either this specific thing might evolve into a full game or might go on to inspire like future games like mm-hmm. you said this could have just been a testing ground for some of the tech that they were trying to <laughs> mm-hmm. that they will eventually put together into like a different kind of horror experience definitely as always fun to check out something that is out kind of outside uh-huh. of our wheelhouse i still i still really enjoy in its in its own way looking into stuff that yeah. normally play just for my own benefit of like in the same way that i will try to be as honest as i can about the games that i usually play i will try mm-hmm. to be as honest as i can that like in many ways i kind of have like basic bitch ass <laughs> game preferences like i i wouldn't call my tastes particularly nuanced or deep for the most part <laughs> so part of doing this series and like to recording podcasts about all the stuff has mm-hmm. been it's been cool Eye-opening. to try to broaden my horizons a little bit and play stuff that i wouldn't otherwise like normally spend Getting time some on. spice in there Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think with all that said, uh, Level Zero, a Backrooms prototype demo, yeah. you can check that out on Steam now also. You can download the demo for free and play it if you mm. want to screw around with it, get some uncre- creepy vibes of your own. If you've, if you've got a big, bigger Twitch presence than we do, you might be able to yeah. <laughs> leverage that other uh, Twitch stuff to some mm-hmm. like additional fun too. So I would definitely, if that's the kind of thing yeah. you think you'd be into, I would definitely consider giving that a look. Hell yeah. And uh, with all that said... You know, I'm comfortable calling that a show, yeah. I think. Uh, again, I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, we've got so many fucking things to do. That's true. <laughs> so in the future, we'll be back with more streams, mm-hmm. more podcasts, more indie games. Yep. And more updates on Super Cucumber and Games Beyond, the things that we're working on. You can find our games on Steam by searching for Cubicorn Games. Yep. Like Lorraine said, Down the Drain is out in, in totality, if you Ooh. ever wanted to check any of that out. You can find this podcast on any major podcast platform, mm-hmm. Google, Apple, Spotify, pretty Amazon, I think all pretty much all those we're available at if you'd be interested to hear us talk about more indie games. Woo. Uh, you can find us streaming indie games on Twitch pretty much every week, and yeah. the archives of those go up on YouTube. Those, those are Cubicorn Games. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook. Fucking Facebook. <laughs> yeah. We People making games, there. Mastodon, and co-host at Cubicorn Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that I'm forgetting? Is that all the stuff? The yeah. If you've got a game, yeah. as I said before, uh, we'd love to check it out. If you've got a thing in progress, a thing that's out, uh, whether you made it or someone mm-hmm. you know made it, or it's just a thing you think is neat that could use more eyeballs, email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com. We'd, we're always looking for indie games to try out. And with all that said, I think that's actually it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Keep hanging in there. Oh, yeah. Stay safe, Internet. And we'll be back in a couple weeks to talk about more indie games. Bye. So long.